don't think I've ever bought a bottle of wine I didn't finish. I never bought a box of wine I didn't finish. Uh, nothing wrong with a box of wine, though, honestly. Oh, yes, there is, pal. <laughs> Do you guys like salmon? Yes. All right. Yeah, I'm not like an aficionado of it, but I, I tried cooking it a couple months ago for the first time. It was good. But I, I make it probably weekly. I love oh, salmon. Yeah. There you go. I'm trying to figure out a way to like talk about this. I, the reason I'm asking you about salmon is because there's a salmon mystery that I want to solve. <laughs> salmon mystery. <laughs> it's not even a salmon mystery. It's just a salmon like in salmon fishing season in Alaska. Oh, okay. Well, Alaska's definitely got some some spoopies to it. So yeah, I was eating salmon. I was just plowing back salmon. Plowing back. Plowing back salmon, just stuffing it in my face. Just fucking fillet after fillet. <laughs> I ate like 17 salmon, and I said, there's got to be a mystery of salmon. And I thought the mystery was going to be, why does salmon turn me into a cat and make me eat like 15 of them? But it wasn't that. So I just started looking up salmon mysteries, and this is what I came up with. Can we, can we solve some salmon's mystery? Well, Rick, I think obviously what's happening is business has been incredibly slow. And, and Richard's feeling a little down on himself, so we'll let him have his little fish mystery. His fish tree. Eating large <laughs> amounts of salmon could expose you to cancer-causing chemicals or carcinogens. Oh, shit. Rick, he's got cancer. That's why he's so sad. I just love salmon, man. If I have to get cancer because of my salmon eating habits, so be it. Die doing what I love. Mowing salmon. This isn't even so like a, sense, I'm making it sound like it's actually a salmon mystery. It's really not. It's just during fishing time of salmon fishery time. <laughs> so like you could have just said fishing then yeah. or anything. <laughs> <Speaking> <laughs> specific than salmon. <laughs> the FV investor murders. Massacre even. Ooh. Yeah. An elite team of private detectives. What if balloons are aliens? Maybe that's the key component we're missing. Cover-ups. John's guilty. Mysteries that need to be solved. Maybe Mormons need mountains. Richard, shut up. So this is actually the biggest unsolved massacre in Alaska history. The two people? Eight. Oh, okay. Pretty, pretty good one. When you say unsolved, like it's still unsolved to this day or like Netflix just released a show about it a couple days ago? It's unsolved and the investigators say they got the guy and they're not bothering even investigating it anymore, but it's not, no one's ever been charged. No one's ever been, we'll, we'll get to it. Well, they didn't say they arrested the guy. They said they got the guy. They got him and he, we'll talk about it, but they, yes, he got off of murder for the whole, like he got he off. Jury, no, he went to jury trial and the jury said not guilty. Hmm. Mm. So this is in 1982, September 6th, 1982. Eight people were shot and killed on their fishing boat, and the killer's never been caught for the crime. Uh, investigators know, think they know who the guy is, but they never officially been solved. The massacre happened on a 58-foot fishing boat named the FV Investor. The Investor, the FV Investor, was one of the most fancy fishing boats that was out fishing at the time. It was uh, at all the new bells and whistles of the time. It was just recently bought for $850,000. So 1982 money, that's over a million dollar ship now for sure. Uh, I said FV. FV is like SS or whatever. It just stands for fishing vessel. 
Like I was like, why do they put that in front? But it's F. I forget what SS and all the mm. other ones stand for. But yeah, that sounded a lot cooler when you initially brought it up. I thought it was like some kind of like corporate espionage or, or something going on. I I was thinking the same thing. Nah, yeah. just FV, fishing vessel investor. Kind of lame. The investor was actually what's called a purse signer. And it's like one of those like big netting ships that you see in like movies sometimes. Like basically put out a giant net and then like a smaller skiff drives the net out kind of thing in a big circle. And then they just like rope up a bunch of fucking. So it's kind of like more like crab fishing, right? Like they just, they don't even like stick a line and it's just netting fish. Sure, sure. It was huge. It had living quarters in it and its crew would sleep on the ship during fishing season. Mark Colthurst, the boat's captain, his pregnant wife, Irene Colthurst, were two of the victims. They were both 28 years old. Two other victims were their two children, Kimberly, who was five, and John, who was four. The other four victims were their deckhands, Chris Heyman, who was 18, Jerome Keown, David Moon, and Mike Stewart, who were all 19. And this all happened in the small fishing town of Craig, Alaska. And Craig is a small town of 600. In the 80s. Now it's a little bit more, but... 602. It's it's actually 1,200 now, which I was surprised oh. how much. Yeah, it's, it's doubled it's in population. explosion in population. Yeah, Craig's just doubling their pop in 30 years. That's pretty crazy. Damn. The crew of the FE Investor weren't from Craig, though. The Colthurst family and crew were from the big city of Blaine, Washington. Blaine is another fishing village of about 6,000. So they would just ride up the coast during salmon season for the lucrative three month long fishing season, like salmon fishing season, which is a detail that needs to be said. I wasn't going to put it in, but like it has to say, because uh, Alaskan fishermen get a little pissy when people come to their waters and fish their fish. They don't like how the Washington guys come on up. Like this is for Alaskans only. Okay. Our ocean (laughs) commercial fishing is one of the top three industries in Alaska, which I did not know. But it makes sense if you think about it, right? It's fucking right beside the ocean. Sure. In the 70s and 80s, when salmon prices were at their highest, three months of hard work could earn a captain and their crew about a half million dollars in three months. Yes, Rick. <laughs> is that is that half a million dollars in three months before or after uh, costs? Like what they put that's, into it? That's after. That's the earnings. Okay. So however many people there are split that and that's what people got paid. No, it's like a, a, a camp job. Like if you, you get paid probably being a deckhand, probably like 60 bucks an hour, 80 bucks an hour. And you work three months straight and you just get your paycheck, whatever on top of that went to Mark and his family. You know what I mean? But it was a high paying job and it's a bunch of young guys doing it. It's a hard, it's really a hard job, honestly. So yeah, they didn't really know p- too many people in Craig. Um, they're only there for three months at a time. Most Craigertons said that they had interactions with the Investoronians and they said that they seem nice and were always willing to help people when they needed it but to his crew mark was kind of a legend fishing for three months like i said is a young man's job and if you're on a good crew you can make enough for an entire year and mark was really good at his job all of mark's deckhands loved him and wanted to be like him one of them was even his little cousin that he hired chris Heyman was his cousin 
he was considered one of the best skippers in town. And for good reason, Mark was very successful. Uh, he had a reputation of being a diligent fisherman. He was already out fishing by the time he was 16, making shit tons of money, like whatever, 16 bucks an hour, like yearly wages in three months at 16. They all used to brag about a story where he, in 1979, had caught $105,000 worth of fish in one week. If he's raking in that much fucking money in a week, he's making way more than a half million. That's that's the low end. The half million is like the average. Like he was making way more than that. He had a million dollar ship. Mark would always walk around bragging that he would retire by the time that he was 50. Later on in the story, people start, said that Mark knew how successful he was and it would it got to his head and he was like an arrogant guy and he would get in fights with like his crew all the time, like anybody who worked for him. But I mean, it's easy to say that when you want to, pinpoint someone for a crime you know what i mean like i think it's easier later to say that people mostly said that he was nice prior to that so i don't know i just want to remind you guys that mark's fishing boat was state-of-the-art envied by most other fishermen in town i'm hammering down some clues here on september 5th 1982 the day before the murders Colthurst and his crew pulled into Craig and unloaded his thirty-three thousand dollars worth of salmon at the cannery after unloading the catch, the investor pulled into their spot at the North Cove dock. Now, the dock was so small and crowded that the parking spot for the investor was actually beside two other boats. And you'd have to, like, walk over two boats to get to, like, the actual dock to get. So you'd, like, park beside, like, walk over people's fucking deck. The fishing boat right next to the investor was a, another boat called the Decade. And the boat closest to the dock was called the Defiance. So I'm going Decade and Defiance are two different boats. All right. Uh, as soon as the investor was docked, Keon and Moon went ashore to go buy some weed. I'm just assuming weed. Actually, they don't say weed. They say a small amount of drugs. So I say weed because that makes sense to me. Maybe it's Coke. Maybe they're just getting off their shift and going to get blow. I don't fucking think so. But maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know what? They're fishermen, and for some reason, that strikes me as way more likely than weed. Okay, fair enough. I just feel like you just worked for probably 16 hours. You're going to go get jacked up and go to bed for two hours and wake up in the morning and go fishing again? Well, maybe they were only buying it to bring it back on the ship so that they could stay jacked up for the whole 16 hours they were working. That's true, too. Maybe that's just for next tomorrow morning. Like, seasonal shit like that just attracts like a certain kind of person, too. Just like the most self-destructive kind. It's it's the money, man. When you get make lots of money, you do lots, of, especially at nineteen. Yeah, but then unless unless you're you have another job that you can work in that off season, you're like, wow, I made fucking forty grand in three months, and then they don't do anything the other nine months. So yeah, they yeah they do a lot of blow. Well, yeah, but not no not because that costs a lot of money. You spend all the money up front, you do the blow, and then that's how they keep them coming back. I'm sorry. We'll say seven months then. Maybe they buy enough blow to last. And this months. is why I have enough salmon to have it every week. Because <laughs> of the, the Colombian drug propped, cartel. All propped up. It's all connected. Are you? Are you? Cartels like a, in there. And are you a tired fisherman? Like, do you come in here just after a day of fishing? Is it fishing? No, season? I reap the benefit of these tired fishermen. Okay. Okay. Keon and and Moon. Both and they got their their drugs from a guy named John Kenneth Peel. John Peel actually used to work for Mark Cothurst, but he was on the crew of another ship now. At some point, when they were on shore, Jerome Keown called his brother, 
It was just kind of like a hi, what's up kind of call. His brother said that nothing seemed out of the ordinary. Also, when they're on shore, Mark actually didn't have any cash. So he wrote a $100 check to his friend, another captain of another ship. And then he just got $100 cash from him because they were about to go to a restaurant that night because it was Mark's 28th birthday. And he wanted cash for the for the restaurant. They went to a place called Ruth Ann's Restaurant. It's a little place in Craig on the shore. They really love the place. So that's where they spent his birthday. People later reported that nothing unusual happened that night at the restaurant. Several restaurant goers did say that John Peel, the guy who sold the drugs, did show up at the restaurant for a few minutes during dinner and then left. So no one really knows what they're talking about, but he did show up and say hi, I guess. I don't know. Uh, they returned to the docks at about 9.30, the Colthursts, on September 5th after paying their bill. 9.30 is remember time because as the Colthurst walked over the two ships to get back to theirs, four-year-old John stuck his head into the neighboring ship's hull to say goodnight to the crew there. And I guess the guys that were there remember the little boy just saying hi to them and they looked at the time. I, I'm sure. It was a stormy night that night and not like outrageous stormy but it was foggy and, and like damp and pissing a bit it wasn't like a hurricane or anything like that so the party of eight the crew and the colthurst they all just batten down the hatches and shut her down for the night many boats were having parties that night on the dock as well it was kind of like i guess they have when they have the three months fishing they'll have like days where they can't fish like a fishing license like they can fish six days of the week and there's one day i guess the next day was like the day off of fishing or maybe it wasn't that maybe it was that day or something you weren't allowed to like bring in your fish or something i don't completely understand but people were partying apparently on the dock in the morning 6 a.m a crewman from the decade saw the investor slowly idling away from the dock the crewman noticed that the investor had left its tie down lines on their deck rather than bring them out on the investor's deck on the early morning ride so that was kind of weird to them. Like, why are they leaving their tie downs? They were tied to the other ship. They could just bring their shit with them. So they just threw it on the ships beside. Another crewman from the decade waved to the man piloting the investor. And he said that the guy waved back and just kept going. The captain of the decade, so a third guy in the decade, thought that the investor left port because of the loud partying. And he like got on the radio just to say, sorry, dude. Like, I bet you they're still hammered at 6 a.m. Maybe it was Coke because they were partying. So, like, maybe they're just like, sorry, dude, but we just keep you up, man. Did we keep you up, man? Like, they right Yeah, here? that's a very Coke sentence. <laughs> Did we keep you up? Are you sorry, dude? It's only six. We're going to bed soon. Don't worry. <laughs> no, you're not, you fucking liars. <laughs> but apparently, whoever was driving the investor didn't reply. So, the guy just assumed that, like, oh, he is pissed at me. Shit. I'll have to say sorry when he gets back. And that was the end of that. Around 7.30 a.m., someone else reports seeing the investor near Fish Egg Island, which is about one mile out from Craig. The investor's skiff uh, was seen later that day tied to the cold storage dock and had also been seen moving around a couple other times throughout that day. Now, the skiff is just that little boat that I said, like, kind of drives the net around, just like a little boat. Mm. By 10.30 a.m., fog rolled in. And the investor couldn't be seen for the rest of the day out in the bay. The next day, September 7th in the morning is when people notice the investor still out at Fish Egg Island. So people started to be like, what the fuck? Why is it still out there? They thought like the day before he was just trying to get out fishing earlier. 
and they hadn't noticed like Mark out fishing with them. Usually they all kind of fish around each other. They know he just stayed in fish island fucking all day. Like what the fuck's up with that guy? Hmm. They just thought it was odd. You know what I mean? And then a young man in the investor skiff is seen buying two and a half gallons of gas in Craig. That's all two and a half gallons Hmm. at about 4 PM. The crew of the fishing boat casino noticed smoke rising from the investor. The casino headed out to see if it could lend a hand, lend some aid. And on the way, they ran into the investor skiff motoring away at full tilt toward them. The captain of the casino said it almost had to ram the skiff for it to stop. Uh, when the man driving the skiff did stop, the captain asked him if they're like are everything good. Was there people on that boat? He said, yeah, there's people on that boat. Then he just drove off towards Craig. The skiff is seen reaching Craig dock and pilot exiting the boat. On the dock, he's seen talking to at least three people before his movements are lost. When the casino got to the investor, it was already too late. The ship was fully engulfed with flames. The casino headed back to Craig and waited for authorities to arrive. The FV investor burned for hours before it could be put out. Immediately, Alaska state troopers suspected arson because of how fast and hard the fire burned. That was at about 4 at 7.30 p.m. The fire was finally under control and investigators boarded the skeleton of a ship, but it was still like burning in the lower decks. So like they just got the fire out on the top. Like, that's crazy to me. <laughs> Let's get on the burning ship yeah. in the galley. They discovered the bullet riddled bodies of Mark, his wife, Irene and Mark's cousin, Mike Stewart. They're burnt to a crisp, but they find bullets in them later i think i i think the daughter's in there too i think their daughter kimberly's shot as well i, I couldn't confirm that i couldn't confirm <laughs> she's that. somewhere in the in the riffraff pile of crisp corpses yeah. well i couldn't confirm irene i could confirm the other three i just i saw in a couple places irene was also shot but like people make up shit a lot like if you read enough articles on one subject you'll be like you'll see who's like making shit up just for an extra oh, yeah. well that and there's just conflicting information everywhere about stuff that's like, true you just it, it comes down to like where you just have to decide on a fact <laughs> is it this yeah. one or that one yeah i i just i usually go with like the more credible ones i'll take their word if it's any mm-hmm. type of difference i'll just but like sometimes these like non or less credible news sources have like crazy details that I can only find there. So like, I feel bad. Like, should I use this or not? And I just don't, or I do. That's, that's what the choice I have to make. (laughs) But if there's conflicting, I'll usually go with like, I don't know, CBC news or BBC or something better than like the Atlanta chum, you know? Right. Right. Uh, I tried to bring the chum back. Doesn't even react. Oh my god! I completely fucking forgot. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, and I literally was like, yeah, that. The fuck is the Atlanta chum? <laughs> god, I'm a fucking moron. Yeah. So it took until the next morning to actually put the entire the fire completely out. Then they had to do the investigation. Burned all night. All night long. Yeah. Good lord. See, who knows how many daughters were in there? They could have <laughs> turned to ash. Was it a daughter was it three no no yeah so it was a hard investigation obviously because like it's in the middle of the ocean first of all second of all all the forensic evidence is just obliterated by a fire uh the only real evidence that the police could go with was eyewitnesses who said they had seen the men and even those descriptions were pretty vague 
like the description of the man the description was a man in his early 20s with light brown or blonde hair who weighed approximately 150 pounds and he's wearing glasses and a baseball cap with a logo on it oh, well at least it's a very specific person <laughs> did they say what the cause of death was uh yes they think was it i'm just gonna take a shot in the dark was it burning to death in a boat fire for 12 hours gunshot wounds well and we'll we'll tell you why how they can tell maybe maybe they were shot after they were burned yeah that maybe the a, bullets were on fire because if i'm yeah exactly <laughs> that's what i was thinking is incendiary rounds they shot incendiary rounds okay mm-hmm. uh it's on the table theories out there no it's on the boat the problem is with this whole thing with all the eyewitness statements is that like it's salmon season and it's full of 20 year old men wearing hats like it's everybody could be that guy it's yeah so here's here's what after investigation what they think happened um no guarantees because like literally this is a lot of guessing so later on the night of mark's birthday or early the next morning the killer infiltrates the investor using either a small fishing boat or he was already there because you have to walk across two different boats and nobody said that they heard anybody walking across two boats using the cover of darkness the intruder shoots some or all of the crewmates with a 22 caliber rifle uh ending all their lives or some of their lives that way the killer drives off the investor to get rid of the evidence the killer starts up the engine and motors off after waving to the other skipper from the decade then the murderer drives their boat to the secluded fish egg island then when he gets the investor to the bay near the island he opens up the valves on the boat's engine cooling system hoping that the boat would sink before anybody noticed it and this is evidence this is one of the few pieces of evidence that did survive they could see that that was cranked wide open and that should have actually sunk the boat so why didn't it it just it wasn't done it wasn't done enough for it to go quick enough. Like it probably eventually would have done it. It just was slowly leaking. And it's a huge ass boat. Then the killer gets on the boat skiff and returns to Craig doing whatever he was doing in a cold storage, wherever he was going. And then on September 7th, the murderer went back to go see if the investor had sunk because if it hadn't, he had a plan to get rid of it, which he, he would set it on fire with an accelerant, which he ended up having to do. The valve wasn't working quick enough. Then the killer jumps on the skiff, heads the port, sets off into the darkness, run almost running into that the casino and telling that guy there's body, there's people on that boat. Just an FYI, maybe not, not maybe a clue. Investigators never actually find the body of the youngest boy, four-year-old John. It took them forever even to identify most of the bodies. The four bodies were the easy ones, like the four that I said they saw: the daughter, the cousin, and the husband and wife. Everybody else was like burned to basically nothing just jawbone uh some teeth some like shin bones and shit like just right gone is that how they knew they found a daughter bone no they found the daughter she was on the higher part of the ship so she was shot or not shot i'm not sure but they definitely found her body they know it was her all of her bones yeah they have most of her body she was just burnt up from the first the top part of the fire the hotter part was like underneath where the fire was started like Mm. they they lit the fire in like the cabin area with an accelerant and those people probably were just sleeping like nobody really knows if they were shot or not my guess is they were just sleeping and they just burnt they woke up to they was too late for them hmm. uh it wasn't about until six months into the investigation that they got the last guy identified from dental records and as far as little john most investigators just assumed the fire was so hot that the boy fu- was fully consumed they had to have actually had to have an inquest on if the coroners and the investigators 
investigators thought John was taken off the ship or if he was dead. And they all came to the conclusion that he was probably burnt up to the point of no remains. And how old was this boy? Four. Well, based on American media and, and the headlines in it, I, I know that a four-year-old can handle a firearm and matches pretty <laughs> So it's a Dennis the Menace situation. Well, yeah, it would, it, I mean, I think he's a little, a couple ticks past Menace in this case. <laughs> okay, that's there's another theory on the table. The kid did it. I like that. After autopsy of the people that weren't burnt as bad, it's discovered that the passengers that weren't burned beyond having a body had no smoke inhalation meaning that they were dead before the boat was lit on fire. So that's how they know they were shot. They, they tested the lungs. Mm. Uh, I think the ones that were in better condition, yeah, were Mark and Irene and his cousin. Everybody else uh, was pretty much gone. Yeah, they figure that the murders must have happened not long after the dinner because Irene was found still in the same clothes she had been wearing the night of the birthday party. At the beginning of the investigation, there were no witnesses. So the investigation was like very challenging. After canvassing the area for witnesses, they found the skipper of the decade saying how he saw the young man piloting the fishing boat shortly after the murders. Somebody else had seen that somebody who would match the description buying gasoline. Using witness statements, the police got a sketch together of the suspect. And it's the same, really the same thing. It's a white guy in his early 20s wearing glasses with a pockmarked face. That's what they kept saying, pockmarked face. That seems mm. distinct to me. Is that just like someone who like had really bad acne? Like, is that somebody who grew out of acne? You know, and you have like the what does pockmarked mean? Um, yeah, actually, it is. That that's almost precisely what it means. It's acne scars. So like that kind of narrows it down a bit to me. Like, not everybody has that. There are a few people. There are a lot of people with that. But I mean, it's not. No, there's only two people that have that in the world. Yeah, uh, yeah. And one of them is Edward James Almos. So if if we're gonna pin <laughs> this on somebody, I'm I'm feeling him. Is that what his is that bad acne from Edward James? Yeah, it's, a, it's acne scars. Yeah, crazy. Good for him becoming a huge TV star. Even with that, you know, don't limit yourself, guys. Even if you have acne, you can still do it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you hear that, you pimply, they formerly pimple, pimply face freaks. Uh, currently, they call him Edward James freaks. almost, not Edward James almost. He went all the way. <laughs> Battlestar Galactica, baby. That's everything they really know about this case to a point. It gets a little bit more complicated, but that's the case. I'll get into the suspect that they have if you want. It's basically the theory on that guy. The main suspect they have for this guy is John Peel, the drug dealer guy. 24-year-old man named John Kenneth Peel. Mm. Uh, Peel actually, like I said earlier, had worked for Cole Thirst during the 80-81 fishing seasons, but had a falling out with Mark, meaning Peel was fired by Mark. Investigators said that Peel was fired for selling drugs on board the investor, and Mark wasn't having any of that. So that was the reason for the firing, so that gives them their their idea on motive. But it, it did take two years of police work just to even arrest Kent, Mr. Mm. Peel for this. Peel looked like the sketch of the man driving the investor in the early morning after and the guy buying the gasoline. But like, that's a sketch. And like, if you look at John Peel's face, he doesn't have a pockmarked face. He does. He just doesn't. He filled it in with flesh colored silly putty. Yeah. yeah. 
and maybe in like do we have a picture of the sketch that's the thing is i I, no i couldn't find this this specific picture of the sketch i found a picture that someone said was the sketch and i'm like there's no fucking way that's the sketch you you take a a pen you draw a circle on the paper (laughs) quite like this and then uh you go like this oh that was john peel yeah that's that's how we identify the description. There's never a time when a sketch I've never come across. Like I think we've talked about this before on the show. I don't think I've seen a sketch from like, oh, that was super close. It's always so fucked up. Like some of these are fucking so bad. Like look like drawn by a ch- child. Like what you just did. I know you're joking, but like there's been some that I've seen on the news that are just like that specifically. Like circle two eyes a mouth and be like this is the guy yeah uh there's that famous one from years ago about the leprechaun oh yeah that's true yeah, i forgot about that that was the dopest shit in the history of ever oh, man. i love that <laughs> i'll link that in the in the show notes for everyone who wants to look at the leprechaun yeah. face oh, also well, i'll scan my my beautiful uh drawing of a pockmarked face and we can upload that <laughs> yeah. as well We'll definitely upload that one as well. Yeah. Don't be shocked if you look at John Peel's face after and go like it's the same. Mm-hmm. Wait, was the one that you said? There's no way this can be real. Was that this? No, that's not the one I looked at. Okay, okay, that's cool that you found that pretty good. That one on the left looks like a uh, like a substitute music teacher or something. <laughs> but like, pull up John Peel. That you have this open already. Look up John Peel. It doesn't look like that. I don't know where the fuck it is. There. That's not that's not a good photo of him. But that doesn't look look, is there any pock face on that guy that you just No, but right that there? was also super smoothed out. Hold on. Here. He doesn't look like a pock face dude. No. I'm sorry. Like sure, but yeah, no. Yeah, de- definitely not pock face. No 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 pock marks, but I don't know, man. You should see what they can do with silly putty these days. I'm serious. Does he normally wear glasses? Is my question cuz like the glasses seem like a big piece to this. He does when he's murdering a boat full of people. <laughs> I was going to say, uh, yeah, I think maybe that might have been, because we'll talk about John a little bit more about him and his disguises. Um, so maybe he was just wearing a disguise and the glasses were a disguise. <laughs> Believe it or not, there's disguises in this. <laughs> this could be him, but this could also be every other Alaskan fisherman just exactly. by looking at this photo. That's that's what I'm saying. You shave, you, that could be RJ. If RJ didn't wear the bandana and let his hair go down, that could be RJ right now. I don't I don't appreciate the confidence that you said that with. None of those are <laughs> handsome drawings. <laughs> well, let's calm down. Where's there a handsome drawing? Give show me a handsome drawing. Then I'll, then I'll apologize. <laughs> oh yeah, okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> he showed me the picture he just drew with the circle and box. My fault, you're right. That is <laughs> Yeah, dude. You're, I'm, I'm sorry I said that you look like that drawing. I, I told you I'd apologize, and I did. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah, so there's another witness that also saw John Peel and Mark Colthurst at the restaurant having a chat the night of the murder. So there's that. He was around, okay? There's more than one person that said that, too. So that's that one I pretty much believe. If they had, like, some sort of weird history of, like, two years working together, and it's his birthday... Maybe he just saw him and he went in and say happy birthday. You know, like I, I don't, it doesn't shock me if that guy's there, even if it's nefarious or not. If that guy's there, I wouldn't assume nefar- nefariousness, nefarity. So after police heard about Peel getting fired, they thought that would be the best motive. All the evidence against Peel was circumstantial at best. 
I think they took the police took him to trial with four eyewitnesses and that's it for evidence. I don't think you can do that anymore. I don't I think 1982 is a different time. I don't think without any forensic evidence at all, good luck. Hmm. Peel obviously denied committing the crime and went to trial in 1986 to defend himself. The trial lasted six months, becoming the longest in Alaska history, and eventually ended up in a hung jury. The jury vote took six days. And it was pretty much split down the middle. In 1988, John Peel was brought to trial again. This was a much shorter trial, only lasted three months. And this time, John was found not guilty. At the first trial, the prosecution spent $2 million, while the retrial costed the state another $700,000. At this time, it was not only the longest-running prosecution in Alaska, but it was also the most expensive. Damn. See, you know, I, I know what a hung jury is, but like... It also has a fun, almost double meaning where it could be like, Your Honor, in in the case of uh, this case, whatever, uh, we we decide that if we have to deliberate on it any longer, we're all going to fucking hang ourselves. <laughs> yep, no. And he's uh, like, oh, hung jury. <laughs> Bang. Maybe that's where it originated from. Yeah. Maybe they just... If you don't come up with something now, we will hang you. Because I know in the <laughs> late 1800s, they just loved hanging people. So, in the... yeah, it's just about it's just 12 people sitting on the bench with their eyes darting back and forth, <laughs> tying nooses in their lap. <laughs> Prosecutors like shit. If you finish this noose before you come up with a verdict, we will be using it on you. <laughs> yeah, and just to make it more expensive for the state of Alaska. John Peel sues the state of Alaska for wrongful prosecution and for his legal fees. Wrongful prosecution. I didn't know you could. I've heard wrongful conviction suing people. I've never heard people suing someone for wrongful prosecution, which is pretty interesting. I, don't know. I feel like back then, if it got enough in the limelight and the person could claim that it ruined their life, their life, I feel like, you know, probably yeah. could. Oh, for sure. I looked into it after. There's many, many people have done it before. I just never really put two and two together on that before today or before my research into this. Like, crazy. Like, he, he sued them for $175 million. <laughs> you know, I'm noticing we're overlooking something. His name yeah. is is Peel, and we're concerned with what his skin looked like in one picture and then what it looked like <laughs> in another picture. And I'm thinking that, you know, maybe this is right under our noses. <laughs> Literally fart of under his nose. Yeah. Peeled it off. I see what you're saying. It's on there now. It's in the theory for John. Well, we'll John's yeah. definitely a theory in this. So, so yeah, he sued them for 175 million. That dragged on for nearly a decade and 97 Peel got a settlement of $900,000. That doesn't mean John Peel did not do it though. The Alaska DA seemed to think he did. Uh, brought this guy to court twice. I don't know what they know. And like I said, a DA would not touch something with four witnesses unless it was super compelling. What I do know, though, is that a circumstantial case is very hard to win, even with a million witnesses. And, okay, one we'll talk about it a bit, but, like, okay, one of the former detectives that worked the case, his name was David McNeil. He's quoted as saying, it was a pretty damn good investigation. They got the right guy. Just because someone is acquitted doesn't mean they're innocent. Just means they're not enough evidence to show guilt beyond a reasonable doubt. Um. So he he's convinced. And like I said, they're not even investigating it anymore. They had witnesses that he said he was driving the investor. They had witnesses that said he was buying gas just before the boat was found on fire. They know that John and Mark had just been in a fight or recently been fired. Sorry. Was this enough 
motive to murder Mark, his crew, and his entire family? I don't know. Uh, but that's what they think. Okay, so here's the John Peel didn't do it side of things. It's all circumstantial evidence. Let's just start there. Some witnesses say they saw Peel driving the investor, but there was also witnesses that did make it to court that said that that he wasn't the guy that night that they saw. Some say that he was the one buying the gas. Others say that the guy buying the gas wasn't him. The investor, after investigation, wasn't even burnt by gas, they found out. Uh, the accelerant wasn't even gasoline. It was like kerosene or like jet fuel or like a Coleman fuel, uh, like a Coleman tank. The only reason they know that is because it leaves a white residue, like kerosene or whatever. Gasoline doesn't. And they found this white residue everywhere. So they know it wasn't even gasoline that burnt the fucking investor up. So that whole thing's like a like a fake piece of evidence. It's not even real. I don't know. I don't believe in fire science. <laughs> It's like it's just like a fucking guy who works for the fire department, and he's like, "Wow, oh, this is how stuff burns." <laughs> no, I don't think it's real. Okay. Uh, yeah, but I feel like with fire science, you can recreate it pretty easily and be like, "All right, let's take this type of material and try and burn it with a Coleman canister." Now, I feel like it'd be pretty easy to figure that shit out because you can recreate it super easy. I mean, I guess, but like, I don't know. I, I just don't. I don't trust a dude who is just the firefighter for the longest to be like, yeah, no, I do science now. I'm gonna go with this is like a case that cost the state two million dollars. They got an expert in, and the expert is the fire chief from Juneau, Alaska. Okay, it's a big city. Oh, excuse me, excuse even more, me. even more uh, fires. <laughs> I'm just joking. I don't I'm know saying. who the expert was. All right. If it was like, like I know there's a it's physics. I get that part, but usually it's not who they bring in. It's just like a guy who's like, oh yeah, I've been on, uh, I've been on the fire department about thirty five years. Uh, I've seen a lot of fires and all that stuff burns, and uh, this burns like that. That burns like that. But there's also you're right. There's there's things to that too that I agree with because like, okay, maybe it was gas, but it melted like a piece of plastic something, and that left the white residue. Or there's something in there like a kerosene thing in the actual ship that burnt as well as the gasoline to make the white residue. Like they don't know everything. It was fucking burnt to a skeleton. Like it was gone. So listen here, buddy. I don't, I don't come in and tell you how to do your job. All right. If you, <laughs> you, you in your life, you never fucking pulled out two Dobermans unconscious from smoke inhalation on your back, along with a clutch of six toddlers in your other arm. Okay. You go and do that. And then you come and tell me how to do my job. All right. Objection. Badgering the prosecutor. Sustained. Thank you. <laughs> you know, what's bullshit though. I can Google. Where is OJ Simpson now? And get an answer right at the top. But trying to find John Peel is ridiculous. I'll tell you why in a second. The description of a guy in his 20s with pockmarked face could be any one of the 150 people working on the docks. So that's why it could not be John. We're still on the uh, it John Peel didn't do it. John Peel was working for another guy. And the other, the other captain said that he was sleeping on the boat when the murders were happening. But then I also saw that the captain said he didn't know where John Peel was for two days leading up to the murder. So it's one or the other. It's either he was sleeping there or they didn't fucking know. Pretty weak alibi either way. Like, even if he was sleep, I, he was sleeping on the boat. Like, would you go check in on him? You know, like, how do you know he was sleeping on the boat? Or do you mean this is the guy that makes you money for your fishing boat so you don't want him to go to jail? Okay, I understand. Years after the massacre, Mark Colther's younger sister, Lori Hart, met with John Peel. She was convinced for decades that it was, in fact, Peel that killed her brother. 
But she said after that meeting, she doesn't think that he was the man that pulled the trigger, but she thinks that he knows more than he's saying. I don't know if the the sister went, if the guy went and talked to the sister, I feel like if I, but I don't know. I feel like if I killed someone, I'm not going to talk to the family after. And I got away with it. You know what I mean? I'm just going to leave it. I'm going to stay away. I mean, I, I'd have thought that too until it, it worked. Uh, and now now I think that that's what I would exactly what I would do. And then you made money yeah. by doing it. Yeah, I guess. It's like decades. It was like in the 2016 or something. You met up with her like, well, how are you making money now? Do we also think that John Peel could have taken that ship over with six adults without any resistance? That's the other thing. It's like one guy against like four fucking teenage men, a 26-year-old, which isn't like a 28-year-old or whatever, man, pregnant wife. You know, like there's a lot of people in that ship for him to be able to take out with a 22. No, I have my theory. I have my theory. Yeah, he had help. And it was in the form of a two foot 11 inch little boy who was very proficient with firearms and matches <laughs> i don't know is that how tall four-year-olds are i don't know how tall sure are. sure why not okay so another weird thing that makes me think that he's not guilty is that during the trials and you guys might say that it makes him look guilty but i think it makes him not look not guilty so during the trial both trials john peel wore a mask like with permission from the court because he said he's innocent and he doesn't want people to take photos of him or know where he is, know what he looks like, anything like that. Wear disguises too, not just masks. Like one of the days he was wearing like a fake mustache and a woman's wig. Other days he was just wearing like ski masks and shit, like every day coming into trial. He also wore a bulletproof vest every day because he didn't want to get shot for everyone thinking that he's a child murdering mass murderer. Does this sound more guilty or innocent to you? This sounds like an innocent guy to me. I did not do anything. No, it sounds like a fucking crazy guy who would wear like a shitloads of disguises and probably figure out how to make a mask of having a pockmarked face as well. I mean, come on. His name is John Peel. Peel the chameleon. The peel million, all right? Put some respect on his name, all right? He wasn't wearing a mask during the time of the murder. <laughs> he just wore it for the rest of his life so he didn't have... The pockmark. Also a possibility. He is skilled well, that, at what he does. I bet nobody even knows what this dude actually looks like. Not even his, <laughs> his own family. I just want to know where he is right now. You'll never know. He could be right here in the Zoom call. You'd never know. He's very secretive. I would be too. If I killed eight people and made a million dollars, I would never talk to another person again. <laughs> but that's my point. He went and talked to the sister. So like that goes against what like I, I wouldn't talk to anybody else. Either. Maybe he ran out of the million. Yeah, he's like, maybe we can get a headline out of this. I'll get a That's a good point. Maybe it was a hit and he double dipped. I bet I bet he did that and it was like it was like, okay. listen, sister, uh person, uh you, you saw what I could do to eight people on a boat. What do you think I could do to one person in the Starbucks? <laughs> That's how he started the conversation. Yeah, yeah. they'll never know. It was it was me. I'm not I'm not <laughs> even here right now. This is a body double. I'm I'm somewhere in this Starbucks. <laughs> You know what else is uh, interesting, too? He wore the disguise all through the trial, too. Like, the disguise or the mask. Because he didn't want the courtroom person, the drawer person, like the whatever, like courtroom recorder person who draws the pictures to, like, get his likeness. That's how much privacy this guy wanted. He's like, I'm wearing a mask the whole time. And the judge allowed it. See, and you know what? That is awesome. Uh, I Credit where it's due. That, that sketch that Rick pulled up, Looked like a series of people. Tr they looked like the same guy trying on three different disguises. So that's what I'm saying. Maybe he was wearing disguise when he went murder. Maybe he just loves disguises. Yeah. I don't know. That's, that's what, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Peel the chameleon. So this is another thing that happened here. So 
months into the investigation, like I said, there wasn't very many in people coming forward saying that they had seen anybody. People did start to come forward to the, uh, it's because this is when the defense for Mr. Peel it, at court finds out, well, they found out, I guess, with discovery, but they found out that police had been offering plea deals to people if they just said they'd seen John Peel at the docks that day. Like they let a guy off on some armed robbery charge saying, oh, if you say John Peel was at the dock, then uh, you you will let you off on that crime. And then they, uh, defense's big argument during trial was the police were coercing witnesses into saying they saw John Peel, even though they didn't see John Peel specifically, just a guy that looked like John Peel. And a lot of people admitted to actually doing that. That's how he got off with the, the trial is that the cops were being corrupt as fuck to fit their narrative. They even brought the gas station owner to testify that he'd seen John Peel buy gasoline the day of the fire, even though they had evidence saying that it wasn't actually gas that fucking lit that fire, but they refused to say that to the court. They like omitted that piece of evidence saying that the white powder, but you don't trust that anyway, but still the white residue powder thing that's all over the boat is proof that it wasn't gasoline. But they didn't make mention to anybody that, like the jury that. They just said, you know, this guy bought gas, see? It's like, wasn't even gas that lit it on fire. And that's what the defense argument was to that too. Like, there's evidence that it wasn't even gasoline that lit this fire, dude. (laughs) So the cops, like being cops, were like tunnel vision to write the fuck out on this guy. Whether he did it or not, he may or may not have done it. I'm I'm split in the middle on this guy. I don't think he did it because I think my next couple theories is more likely. But... If he was involved in any way, he might have been involved, let's say that. But I, I think the cops like fucked up this case themselves more than anybody else. They fucking coerced people. They brought him in the scheme. <laughs> yeah. I told you, yeah, he's wearing awesome. a bunch. You, you he has find... the same head shape as every one of those sketches. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And all throughout the whole court, all of it, you wore different ski masks. Is that a tactic by the defense team? And is that illegal? It is legal. They got permission from the judge to yeah, do it. Yeah, you're saying. If I'm ever if I'm ever tried where there's a bunch of witnesses, I'm throwing on a ski mask. I agree because honestly, let's pretend you did do it. They can't identify you, but let's pretend you did yeah. do it. Then nobody can fucking know. Think you're the guy who did it. Yeah. Like you know what I mean? Like people get tried in the media a lot quicker than actual court a lot of the time. So if nobody knows who what you look like, that's crazy. He 100% is guilty if you're good. I was not thinking he was guilty until I saw that he showed up in a ski mask. I think it's the opposite. Because if you're innocent, you're like, oh, people are going to see the real me and like, I'm going to tell the truth and I want them to see that. If you're lying, you're like, how can I make it so that the witnesses don't recognize? But that's that's one perspective. Another perspective is how do I make the general public who goes like gets a picture of me on the cover of the paper and then goes like, that's the guy who did it, whether I did it or not not come shoot me in alaska yeah but if you hold up the sketch next to his face it only helps him the only person that doesn't believe it helps you is the guilty person i don't think so man because that shit looks nothing like me and if i knew it wasn't me and i'm looking at it i'm like that ain't me that helps you in court it doesn't help you in general population alaska sure the picture doesn't look like you cool well, that's what the but extra when they million take on top you, is for but when they take your photo in alaska and everyone thinks you're a child murderer everyone has a gun and they might come shoot you. That's what he was scared of. Somebody coming to kill him. I understand what you're saying. I'm just saying that's his perspective. But my, no, my perspective is if I'm going in and I'm innocent, I'm going to be the most upstanding citizen you've ever fucking seen. If I'm guilty, I'm buying a ski mask with little crosses on it like he did. <laughs> All right. Well, there's there's the reasons he's not guilty. There's the reasons he is guilty. I'm kind of split down the middle. I do think he might be involved. But there's a couple more little 
miniature theories in here as well. Unless you guys have something you want to say. What if he what if he is the four-year-old boy and he wore the mask to to hide that fact? It's like a Shazam mask, it just makes him an adult male. No, no. I mean you put a mask on anybody. I can't tell. What are you for? What are you a grown-up? <laughs> I don't know. Oh, I thought you just had to say like. Yeah, Halloween's terrifying, dude. I don't know who's coming to the door asking for candy. You don't say Shazam, you just like snowboarding and you're a man. Like snowboarding or. Anyways. Just the mask does all the heavy lifting. There's no I magic got you. words. I feel you. I feel you. So here's here's a theory that's really not. I This is what I named the theory. The massacre happened, but it wasn't as bad as we think. <laughs> it was no. only seven victims. Uh, John's body was never found. Uh, the four-year-old. So did the boy burn so badly that they didn't find him or did the murderer take the kid and there was only seven victims that night or as RJ is putting it now was the kid the actual murderer and he got he fled in the night. Yeah, I like I like how your definition of not as bad is involves <laughs> child abduction. He's not dead. He's still living somewhere. How old was this guy or the, this kid? Four. Four. And this was in 1982. Yeah. So... In 1986, 87-ish, he could have been that small child in that photo in the van. That's true. He could have been the Tara Calico kid photo. We need to find a picture of what this kid looks like. Because if it is somehow related to the Calico murders. That's fucking crazy. I never or kidnapping or whatever. Mind. Imagine that was the guy, the kid. We just fucking figured it out. Because that age lines up and he didn't really look like the other kid that everybody no. claimed it was. No. No, John Peel, little John, or not John Peel, little John uh, Colthurst is the boy in the photos. Hmm. Hmm. That seems like another mystery. I have an artist sketch of the little boy. Oh, okay. Let's see. Oh, it looks exactly like him. That's him. He was, you turn, turn it just like 90 degrees. Other way. Other way. That's him. He's got, that was him in the photo. I could tell by the tape on his mouth. Well, okay. Well, that's that. There we go. We solved that. Right, case. Ninety degrees. That's because air moves that way with smoke. I don't know if I had the year right for the calico. <laughs> oh no, I did. It was she went missing in 1988. All right, so that does line up. I didn't just it, make that up. Totally missed lines up. 100 percent when you said that. That kid in the photo could. That would make you said he was four. That would make him ten, right? So, yeah, definitely that looks could, like a ten year old. It could be that kid. Look at look, like there's photos of the little boy. There's photos of. Coulson, little John Colthurst. I'll, I'll try and find it. Yeah, they need Terrible an easier name. name to type because I gotta, I gotta copy and paste it every time. There's only two more theories here, and then we can wrap away. But I, I do like where your head's at. That uh, we're solving crimes that we didn't mean to solve. I like that. Oh, 110 percent. That's that kid. Holy fuck! Same haircut and everything. Yeah, no. I as soon as you said it, I'm like, it could fucking very well be. Hmm. That's disturbing. That is disturbing. Maybe like we should forward this to someone. Nah. All right. They can listen to the pod. They can just, <laughs> yeah. if they would, if they don't want to wait a year, they can subscribe to Patreon. <laughs> they don't have to wait. A year. We're almost caught up. If you send it to any family, you might want to obscure my, my artist rendering. <laughs> nah, I'm not sending it to anyone. If they, if they can't figure it out by now, we, they don't deserve to figure it out by now. <laughs> I'm going to help you. You lazy fucks. You couldn't have done this yourself. <laughs> You don't deserve to know where your kid is, you fucks. And your family's already dead anyway, so... Yeah, fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so my next theory is stay off my ocean, which is basically the other Alaskan jealous fishermen were sick of Mark 
coal's thirst bullshit coming in with his fancy ass boat taking all our fish all our money all our women probably everything else from us and they just like gang killed them as giant fishermen they just like all the fishermen in town got together and said let's kill this entire fucking crew and we'll make a point so they never come back to our take our salmon rick gets needs a salmon an alaskan man needs to get rick gets a salmon you know None of these. My salmon is from Alaska, so keep it coming, guys. Keep it coming. Keep it going. Yeah. The only problem with this to me, well, there's a lot of problems. It's just asinine, first of all. But the uh, fun, real problem is that, like, if you're there to leave a message to the other, like, if you're killing Mark and his entire family and crew to, like, stay away from us Washingtonians, like, you should probably leave someone alive to let them know that's why you did it, you know, because nobody actually knows now. It's like yelling in a room, like, I'll be home by nine, and no one's there to hear it, to know that you'll be home. You know what I mean? You got to, like, leave a note or something. Well, he he did. He, le- he left the four-year-old alive, but then the four-year-old tried to microwave, uh, like, a chicken pot pie, but he, like, left, like, the foil on it. <laughs> okay. So... <laughs> it's just that's where the white residue came from? The chicken pot yeah, pie? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Marie Callender's chicken pot pie has, uh, people don't know this, but there's thermite in the packaging, so... <laughs> You have to fully remove the metallic covering. Uh, Make me think of that, like, Mary Callender when that lady burnt her fucking pie and she blamed Mary Callender. Did you see that? Like, there's the whole... No, I didn't. I'm curious now. Yeah, she, like, burnt her pie. She takes a picture of it, puts it on social media. She's like, thanks a lot. You ruined Thanksgiving for me, Mary Callender. And everyone just (laughs) roasts the shit out of her. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone, like, there's so many comments that are fucking gold. It's, like, probably... 10,000 comments of just like roasting this lady. Amazing. You know, she's probably like disabled too or something. Yeah. yeah. Who cares? Everyone's just like, ah, this stupid bitch. <laughs> she's already having Thanksgiving alone with a Marie Callender's Popeye. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the last theory, which is like barely touched upon, it is touched upon a bit, which I think it is. And this is literally what I think it is. So it's the drug trade. There is a theory out there that the Colthers were into the drug trade and fishing was kind of a cover. They had a fucking very expensive boat, did the same job as everybody else. Drugs coming into Alaska were coming in through port a lot of the time on fishing boats because there's less people watching what's coming in Mm. on a fishing boat. You just usually dump off your fish and then you drop into port. No one's like checking your ship every time you come in. And this is especially true with cocaine. Being such a baller fisherman, having such a fancy boat at such a young age, the rumors swirled. Drugs are always a good motive for murder. And if you know anything about drug kingpins... They love salmon. Yeah, salmon is their number one meal choice. No, what they'll do if they want to get back at someone, especially a bad drug dealer, is they will annihilate an entire family. or And they will leave it on display for everyone to find in the middle of the mm-hmm. streets. Mm-hmm. Which does sound like what happened here. You guys ever seen Sicario? Yes. I love that movie. But this one doesn't feel like it was like left on display, right? Like they attempted to hide it. They attempted to sink the boat. You're right. But the fire was the display, not the bodies. I personally agree that there was a drug angle. I actually have a note here where I wrote Mark and Irene Ozarks question mark. Oh, yeah. Um, So I I definitely Hmm. think that you're on to something. But I think that there's a slight twist to that. And the reason I believe it is because the crewmen were clearly doing drugs if they were going to buy it, but he didn't want the actual drug dealer there. So he didn't want to draw attention to themselves. So that kind of felt weird. 
Um, but I think that Irene had an affair and that the son actually belonged to someone else. That someone else, I don't know who it is, but came along, didn't want the son involved with the drug trade, killed everybody that was on board and dealing with it, left and was traveling. And the son just kept talking about how he remembered having a sister, wanting a sister. And eventually this dude kidnapped some other girl and took a picture of them in a van and left it in a parking lot <laughs> at some convenience store. Okay. And here we are all these years later looking for these two in, in the photo. Yeah. That's what I think happened. Pretty sound. Pretty, pretty sound. Like uh, it, it explains a lot of stuff, honestly, like why there was eight people on board that ship or seven people dead and no one seemed to put up any resistance it was probably like a group of guys finishing i think like a drug and i think john peel was like the the patsy he was already selling cocaine or weed or whatever the fuck we think he was selling for these guys so he's the perfect guy to throw at the media to like get away like whoever these drug people are is probably like somebody from across the ocean probably like china or something like that maybe not china probably america because they're in a fan in america the the photo looks like it's in America. Well, I don't know. It could be in China. Could be anywhere. Um, that photo. Yeah, let's 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 but let's explore more of Rick's theory because, like, you know, I mean, we we talked about this before with you know, we started with with cocaine. I mean, like, you know, that's what those dudes are doing. They're, they're probably like Alaskan fishermen are probably the biggest purchasers of cocaine in the northern hemisphere. Like, there's no way you can do that job without being on blow twenty four seven. You also mentioned that they can only fish six days a week or right? something like that. There's days they can't fish. I don't know exactly okay. the schedule. So those are the days where I mean, like, because like who who benefits from the black market drug trade and, and who who really started it? American government. OK, CIA. Right. And who would have the necessary resources and funds to while all the fishermen are away on shore, take stealth helicopters and, and and other aircraft and dump millions of salmon into the waters to replenish the, the fishing reserve okay and yeah, then there's yeah. more fish there and they got to fish them and what do you need to be able to fish as a fisherman you got to do a bunch of blow okay so really what they're doing <laughs> is they're propping up the illegal drug trade and these salmon you love so much rick they're just a byproduct mm -hmm. they're not the end that you know, that's that's yeah. fine. I don't mind. I don't mind being a cog in the machine if I get to eat the salmon. Yeah, no, no, no. Salmon, salmon aren't even real. That's that's a good lesson in life, right? I don't need to have the cake. I just need to eat it. Salmon aren't even real. They just they just they just breed cod to be pink inside. That's fine. It tastes yeah. just as good. I think that is honestly we I what I thought we were coming into today was a solving the massacre on the FV investor but really what we did solve was who that boy was in that photo and the repercussions of where that boy came from like we just solved Tara Calico a second time and got John Peel off because like do you think John Peel was involved at all what do you guys think was John Peel 100% yeah I yeah so. I think he was I think he was I think he was uh the patsy but that's why he got off because the American uh you know the CIA just kept obfuscating the case so that he wouldn't he wouldn't blow up the whole the salmon because what we really learned today was that salmon aren't real, salmon aren't real. <laughs> add another okay. add another animal to your list Rick <laughs> Okay, I, I'm uh, I'm I'm good with the drug cartel killing them, stealing the kid, bringing him across country, and then salmon being a part of a military industrial complex move that I'm not quite 
fully understanding, but I don't need to because I've just eaten the salmon. I'm cool with all that. You need to open your fucking eyes a little wider, Richard. <laughs> Richard all right. Okay, okay. I'm cool with that answer. I thank you. I'm glad we got to solve my salmon mystery. This is a salmon mystery after all, actually. Yeah. I came in saying it wasn't really a salmon mystery, but it's a salmon mystery. It's Terra Calico. It's everything I didn't I didn't actually think it was. Just now I want salmon. I'm hungry. <laughs> I just watched Private Dicks, and I think RJ's the funniest. What? Come on! Hey there, all you private dickheads. That's probably not the name we're going to stick with. Anyways, uh, RJ here. I am here to tell you thank you for listening to another episode of Private Dicks. If you liked what you heard, go on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere they take your reviews, drop us five stars, say something nice. Also, what you just heard was from last season. If you want current episodes as they're dropped, head on over to patreon.com and search up Unethical Podcast. That's our mother podcast. I was not aware Private Dicks was a spinoff, I'm going to renegotiate my contract. On Patreon is a full 16-episode season more of Private Dicks, uncut videos of each episode, and many more things are getting added all the time. You can also find all of Unethical's content on there, so go listen to that. And if you're already a patron, fuck yeah, dude. You're the best. Mm-hmm.